Hi, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Miranda. Welcome to Women Don't Do That. In this episode, Stephanie and I discuss my conversation with farmer, mother, speaker, and federal politics hopeful, Megs Reynolds. Let's go. Miranda, I just want to kick things off by saying how much I enjoyed hearing uh, Meg's story and your interview. You really got into some interesting topics, and I feel like she's really a risk taker and a change maker, exactly those types of people that we wanted to talk to on the podcast. I love that she isn't your typical farmer. She's not what you typically typically think uh, when you think of a farmer and just how authentic and relatable she was. Thank you. Yeah, I so enjoyed speaking with her. It was such a privilege because like you said, she not only is she in a field that's dominated by men and has been dominated by men for thousands of years, but she's also really stepped outside of the normal roles of a farmer and taken on advocacy Mm -hmm. and interacting with the public, like really engaging with people to help them understand the work that she does and the tools that uh, her and her husband use on their farm and that other farmers use. So I just, I love the leadership role that she has Mm -hmm. chosen and created for herself. And I, I find that inspiring because it's not Mm -hmm. like that was handed to her. You know, she's become a social media influencer and an effective lobbyist and an advocate, you know, through just grit and putting herself out there. So I hope that others enjoy that conversation as well. We did get some feedback from a listener that I was going to share. This comment is from Rebecca from Winnipeg. And Rebecca, uh, you can actually find her on social media, um, on Instagram as Confessions of a Sleep Deprived Mom. So if you are a parent who would like some humorous, good-natured encouragement sometimes, (laughs) then you can find Rebecca on Instagram, Confessions of a Sleep Deprived Mom. But she shared this comment on the blog. She said, I appreciate the message from Megs that she wants to show her girls that it's okay to have dreams. I love how the legacy she wants to leave is that of a strong, brave, confident woman paving the way for others to follow. It is an empowering message, and I wish her well in her journey. Thank you for giving a platform for strong women to voice the importance of taking risk. Can't wait to see what's next. So what a lovely comment. Thank you, Rebecca. It's great. Uh, I think it is really significant. Megs talks about in the interview her legacy that she wants to leave for her children or the example that she wants to set for her two daughters because it's very powerful I think for girls to see those role models if we are going to have more women in leadership positions and certainly more women in politics I think that starts at home with your upbringing and I should note also that Megs was the first person I interviewed for the podcast our first conversation was actually back in November, but so I, we, we finished that interview, we, we got it ready to go, and we were getting ready to launch, and then Megs actually announced on social media her intention to run in the next federal election, so she's currently participating in the nomination process, and after she made that announcement, you and I talked, and we said, okay, you know what, it would be great if we could actually re-record the interview because that's a significant announcement and we would love to discuss what that means for her. She was so gracious in saying yes to a second interview and to giving me additional time for that. So that was what ran. But we are going to play a clip a little bit later in our conversation 
from the original interview because I just, I love this story that she shares. So we'll play that later in the show. If you read the blog post, then you would have seen a quote from her that you wouldn't have heard in the interview. So we will play that in a little bit. Miranda, one of the things I really liked about that blog post is how you drew out, you called it the many reasons women don't take risks and why it's important. Um, It's actually got a, a lot of views. So I think it's something that people can really identify with. One thing that really stuck out for me is about her roofing on her house. And mm-hmm. she she's so busy, right? You see her in the field. She's doing this. She's traveling. Uh, she's spending time with her kids. And then she's roofing. And how m- most women would think, I can't do that. I don't know how. And there she is just just up doing that. And I, I think, too, it does come down to also what you said about how you're raised. Like, her girls will see that and be like, oh, mommy roofs, too. And uh, it, it's that visual that really tells a story about that. Mm-hmm. No, that post did stand out to me just because of the experience I share in the article of seeing all the men all throughout our neighborhood on their roofs, no women on the roofs. And even for myself, knowing I would never do that. I would never go up on my roof. And she talks about in the interview how she became a mechanic when she first moved to the farm and or an apprentice mechanic because she wanted to learn how to fix the equipment. And throughout our conversations, you know, again, we had this initial conversation back in November that our audience won't really get to hear, but she talked about how, you know, she's fixing fences and she's figuring out ways to uh, tackle these little mechanical problems that come up on her farm. And her girls are seeing this and it's all these things that I certainly in my own mind would never expect to do or would never uh, feel comfortable or confident doing. So yes, she just clearly has this mindset that she can do whatever she wants. And I'm certain that that, has led to her making the announcement that she recently made that she is putting her name forward to be a possible candidate in the next election. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, um, her decision to run for politics, because that's something that we're actually both pretty passionate about. (laughs) (laughs) Our, Our audience might know a bit about that because you've written about your experience, Stephanie, and I do mention it a bit in, in the episode with Megs. I worked for 10 years for members of parliament, for ministers um, in different roles, primarily in, you know, communications and that and that sort of thing. And so federal politics is something that I've been interested in as a child. We often talked about politics at the dinner table as a family, and I was encouraged to have opinions on this and, and be informed about these issues. And so it was a natural progression for me, having volunteered in campaigns in high school and then working Um, with MPs and ministers throughout my 20s. And so I really, I think, have that perspective of how difficult it can be, not just Mm. for women, but especially for women when they take on those roles. And you have experience with that as well that we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, it's interesting you say about your upbringing because I didn't grow up in a political family but became interested in politics when I was in university and I worked for different members of parliament. And then I actually have my entire career has been as a government relations lobbying expert. So I have spent the majority of of my career working with um, politicians. So I'm definitely passionate about it as well. Yes. And to share a little bit of the behind the scenes of what what it's like, what it's, it's, it's not easy. It's really not. It's, um, there's nothing glamorous about it. 
it's a huge sacrifice. And Meg shares a little bit about how she, uh, you know, just the advice that she's gotten from people and, and how serious of a decision it was. I mean, I think she spent close to a year making the decision. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And that's understandable because it's going to dramatically change her life. She already has such a full life. Uh, we got this comment as well that I'll share. This is from Wanda in Waterloo. And she says, great interview with Megs. I have asked so many times at talks, how can we encourage women to be risk takers? Refreshing and reaffirming to hear this discussed so openly. Thank you. Does Megs know about support available for women running for office through Equal Voice? Wishing her and you all the best. And again, that's from Wanda from Waterloo. And Equal Voice is a, a phenomenal organization that is multipartisan and a nonprofit organization that's working to across the country, encourage more women to get involved in politics and to help see more women get elected in all different roles in all parties. And even if you're not interested in running yourself, if you're just interested in politics at all, they often have events where you can listen to women politicians and learn about their lives and their stories. So it it is very interesting if you want to get involved in politics and support other people but aren't interested in running yourself. It's a great place to start. And their presence is really needed because maybe people don't realize, but of course, 50% of the population in Canada is women. But we have currently 26% of members of parliament are female. And if you look now, we have very few Canadian premiers who are women. We don't um, have any. Yeah. It's really, <laughs> we, we recently had quite a few, but not anymore. Right. And uh, so we, there's, there's a significant need to increase female participation in politics because there's just different issues that we can bring to the table Mm-hmm. In terms of maternity leave and accessible childcare, I mean, you look at things such as the taxation on feminine hygiene products, which was just lifted in 2015. There's a perspective that women can bring, you know, even with young families, that those who typically have run for politics in the past and even are more uh, represented now, that the perspective that they don't have. I think it's interesting too, Miranda, because I think a lot of people don't realize that so many barriers exist to run for politics or to become elected. There's good reasons why we should have women in politics. A lot of people will say, well, the most qualified person should win, uh, whether it's male or female. But the reality is that doesn't actually happen for many different reasons. So it's an important conversation to have. Yeah, and if people want to learn more about that, there's an excellent podcast now called No Second Chances. It's part of the Canada 2020 project, and it is compilation of interviews with women who've been in politics for the past few decades, just looking at what their experiences are. And it is alarming the sexism that they have faced and the barriers that they've had to overcome. Yeah, there's only 12 women that have ever become a premier or of course we've had one pm but in total those roles 12 in canadian history and i think more first ministers have been called john than have been women one of the reasons we started this podcast is your experience doing exactly what Mike is doing right now is participating mm-hmm. in the nomination race to become a candidate for a party and 
I would love for you to share more about that experience because it did inform our decision to start this podcast and it speaks to exactly what you're saying, just how far we have to go as Canadians in terms of recognizing the value of women's full participation in politics. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't feel barriers because of my gender, because of the party at all. The things that I was experiencing and hearing actually came from the everyday citizens. We would never vote for a woman. We just wouldn't vote for a woman to be a member of parliament. So those are difficult mm-hmm. things to unpack. And even and women saying things to you, I have to ask my husband who we're voting for. <laughs> yeah. And, and I understand sometimes, you know, somebody in a partnership might not be super interested in politics or uh, they kind of talk together and make some decisions and that's fine. But the amount of times it happened, it really seemed like there was a trend like their husband would make that decision. Yes, because did a man ever say to you, oh, I don't know yet. I have to ask my wife who we're not supporting. Yeah, no, not that never happened. Yeah. For me, I was a lobbyist my whole career. I know how the federal government works. I was running because I wanted to support my home community, the community I grew up in. And I really knew how to do that because I know the system mm-hmm. federally. That's what I have made a living, living doing. So being told that certain people aren't going to vote for you just because of your gender is really challenging. Mm-hmm. And you wrote about that. People can find that article on the blog, How Sexism in Politics Inspired Me to Speak Out. That was one of your earlier posts. It's great if people want to check that out. I would encourage them to do so. I think now we'll play that clip from Meg's. I actually have a memory from, I think it was about eight years old, and I was standing in my aunt and uncle's farmhouse in uh, southern Alberta, and we were helping my aunt make pies. So it was me, my sister, and my cousin. And my uncle and his farmer friend walked in to come have coffee, and his friend looked around the kitchen, saw us all working, making pies, and said, wow, look at that. All the women in the kitchen were this shit. And that mm-hmm. is a memory that is just burned into my brain. And I think that there are times in life where I've chosen a path and it's based off of that memory because I just want to rebel against uh, a gender stereotype. I, <laughs> it's something that's really, really strong in my just who I am. Um, and then my husband kind of has his way of describing me is if you tell me I can't do something, I'm basically going to say, hold my beer. and then go for it. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that clip so much. I just, it gives you a visual too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I can totally identify with that. And so it, it's interesting in some ways that we both ended up in politics because I think that taking risk aspect or kind of having some gutso or whatever you want to call it is needed for, for being in those difficult environments. But I, in many times in my life, have been driven by being told I couldn't do something or I wasn't good enough and then wanting to prove that person wrong. So, yeah. (laughs) No, I love that clip as well. I really do because I have experiences from my childhood as well. I mean, that story that she shares, she was eight years old and that happened and that informed decisions throughout the rest of her life. And I have memories from my early childhood as well of people saying things such as, well, you have to learn to cook and clean because otherwise, how are you going to find somebody to get to marry you? Like, who will want to marry you if you don't know how to cook and clean? I remember just as a really young child thinking, huh, what? No one ever said that to my brother. And so I really rejected that message and, you know, as well made decisions to rebel against that idea of this is intrinsic to my worth. It was really hard not to include that in the initial 
podcast episode in the interview with her, but just because of the audio quality of that being my first interview, um, it didn't really jive well, but we can share it here. So that's great. And I, I hope people connect with it the same way that we do. I would really also love for you to share, Stephanie, a bit of your experience in terms of the expectations people have mm. of members of parliament, because we've both seen this. I mean, <laughs> having worked again, like I said, for 10 years with members of parliament and ministers working in the constituency office, working on Parliament Hill in different roles, I have seen firsthand the 80-hour weeks, the multiple sleepless nights that (laughs) members of parliament and ministers regularly endure. The insane travel, the missing their families. It makes sense sometimes that people are frustrated with their elected officials and what they're doing or not doing. But I do think that the vast majority of our elected officials go into that career with the intention of serving their communities and finding ways to solve problems. I don't know that they're always fully aware of how hard it's going to be on their family. I mean, Mm -hmm. some statistics that are alarming are that the divorce rate for elected officials is twice what it is for the general population. Well, there are I remember a politician saying to me once, if I hadn't known what I was getting into, I probably would have never done it. And they're happy they did it, but that process of knowing ahead of time would have been really challenging. I think I think just to give a broad perspective, so members of parliament, the House of Commons sits Monday to half day Friday and they have to be in the House of Commons um, throughout the day basically business hours roughly Uh, they also have votes at night sometimes often uh, maybe one or two days a week till about 7 p.m. there's often often industry events and things like that that can start at 7 30 in the morning it is not surprising to see a member of parliament work you know, 7.30 in the morning to 9 o'clock at night. It's just not unusual. And then different things can happen where they actually go through periods where, where they work 24-7 for, for a period of time, mm-hmm. depending on what's happening legislatively. But on top of that, most of them also go home every weekend to spend time in their constituencies because if their constituents don't see them, it's harder to get reelected. You don't know what's happening in the community and how your constituents feel about different issues. So if you're supposed to be representing them in Ottawa, you have to be in your communities. And some people have to get all the way back to Newfoundland or all the way back to BC. And it can mm-hmm. take a full day even. Like they have your to Megs, right? And yeah. your kids live in rural, rural Saskatchewan. Yes. Right. So you've got to fly into probably Regina and then get in a car and drive all the way. That is a significant amount of travel time to spend, you know, a day and a half or two days with your family and then be expected to go to events all throughout the weekend. So it's it's a it's seven days a week. Right. So I get people saying, oh, they should work hard and all these types of things. But the fact that at a minimum, they don't even get one day to spend with their family is a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, forgetting just the gender side, but for for male or female MPs in general, and just thinking about how we get the best people and keep them healthy and get results mm-hmm. for people in the communities. I think that there's improvement to be done there all the way around. I think we have to start having the conversation in Canada, and I don't hear it happening of changing the culture, significantly changing the culture. 
And I would say that elected officials are very much responsible for this, too, in terms of the adversarial approach that they have with the opposition, you know, being hard on the government and the government being hard on the on the opposition, they are responsible for some of those expectations that exist. Mm -hmm. But if we're really going to see, I think, a significant increase in the number of people with young families, you know, the number of mothers who are willing to get involved in politics, there is going to need to be a change in the culture, possibly uh, eliminating question period on Fridays, which is something that, you know, was raised by this government, but then vehemently shot down by the opposition and by Canadians. And I actually think that that was a phenomenal idea. And and the, the, the culture in the house in terms of heckling one another and banging on the desks and, and the mm-hmm. way they treat each other is really negative. And so truthfully, I think that they are responsible to a great extent for breeding that negativity around them and that mm-hmm. contempt that exists and that lack of understanding so I hope that we can start to move forward with recognizing exactly what you're saying, that we have to have reasonable expectations for our elected officials. They have to have reasonable expectations for themselves and um, and, and be willing to enforce those. And truthfully, mm-hmm. Stephanie, I don't know how you feel about this, but having worked for both men and women elected officials, I would say that men are better at putting those boundaries in place Mm -hmm. at being willing to disappoint people and at owning their need for family time and balance Mm -hmm. and not feeling that they need to apologize for it. Uh, And even just being comfortable with a bit of less preparation time for events because, you know, they're just going to go into it. They're going to do their best with what they know and they're (laughs) willing to say, oh, that's a great question. I'll look into that for you. I don't have the answer right now. I you know, in the different roles that I was in, I had the experience of working with a number of female, number of female members of parliament and ministers. And yes, truthfully, I found that they had higher expectations for themselves and those around them. And they just had a much harder time mm. uh, with the possibility of disappointing people. Yeah. It makes me think about that imposter sy- syndrome aspect, right? Like in, in their political roles, they're thinking, okay, I have to be 100, 110% know everything about this event before I can go into it right it's it's uh it's interesting and and I think it's it's when you compare it to other sectors as well like when you look at CEOs or presidents of banks of course they work long hours some of them do I know some some of them mm-hmm. definitely have at least one day a week to spend time with family if you don't have time to analyze reflect you can't be effective there's so many uh leaders um you know, read an hour a day or meditate an hour a day or just take time to reflect because that's where your ideas come from. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so the creativity and the right and, yeah. and rejuvenating to get to get energy. Um, so as we desire to have more mm-hmm. women in politics and just to make it easier on people in general, regardless of their gender, uh, it'll be great to see some of those expectations change and then people taking on that responsibility themselves and and making the change. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about a bit about how to do that. Actually, in our next episode, you interview Alita Steele. She's a beach body coach and she's just this fierce, confident woman who has faced her own challenges too and is really honest about those and her journey and Mm -hmm. talks about the importance of, like you were saying, just making time, owning it, not feeling guilty for it uh, because your mental health 
is such an important part of your overall health. Mm-hmm. So people can really look forward, I think, to the um, the story and the advice that she shares in that interview with you. Yeah, it's fascinating. She talks about overcoming addiction and becoming a CEO and how mindfulness and doing you know, some work on the inside really helped her get there. And she's just full of wisdom, wisdom and inspiration. So I can't wait for people to hear it. And we look forward to the comments that people are going to uh, to have on that, because I think it's something that can relate to so many people. We all we all have minds and bodies that we need to take care of. <laughs> there is no one that's exempt from that. And so we all know how challenging it can be to make that a priority. Uh, this conversation today was maybe something that was new for a lot of people. Not everyone has worked in politics like us. I think that that's something that I know even for myself, when I left politics, I now work at the University of Manitoba and I work in government relations now, but for about three years, I I wasn't working with anything related to government, really. It was such a change and I tuned out for a while. It was nice, actually, to just not have to pay as close of attention to what was happening in government because it can be so frustrating and upsetting Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. There's so much to be thankful for in Canada, and there's so many reasons, like we said, to be really appreciative of the men and women who mm-hmm. do that difficult job. But of course, there's also times when you're frustrated and you would like to see things go differently. So um, I hope our listeners enjoyed kind of this behind the scenes conversation and maybe can look into it a little bit more with that Canada 2020 podcast that we mm-hmm. mentioned And I think my attitude is always do something about it, right? So if you are interested about it, but you don't know where to start, uh, we will be doing some more interviews in the future around um, the political spectrum and and how to get involved in a nonpartisan way. Uh, Just even voting, like being an Mm -hmm. informed voter at a a very basic level is really important. Yeah, we have a federal election coming up in the fall of this year it's only a few months away and so we'll be talking more about that like you said in a nonpartisan way Mm -hmm. i i often probably in a bit of an odd way with my kids if i'm walking down the sidewalk i will talk about how like taxes paid for the sidewalk and like how (laughs) stop signs work and just so (laughs) these things just don't appear right there's Mm -hmm. big uh governments behind them that work on these things and and how it works um so my eight-year-old probably knows too much about taxes but i just think (laughs) it's it's really important for them to understand Mm -hmm. how society actually functions yeah no that's great i know i'm the same way with my son my six and a half year old it's pretty funny uh some of the things that he's suggested to me in terms of oh you had a concern about that mom you should call you should call your city councilor friend. You should phone. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's good advice. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I love talking with you about this, Stephanie. I know we could go on and on about this, yeah. but this has been great. Um, thank you to our listeners uh, for being a part of this episode of Women Don't Do That. And we hope to see you throughout the week on our blog at womendontdothat.com. Keep in touch with us on Instagram at Stephanie Mitten and at Miranda. You can also find me, Stephanie, on Twitter at Stephanie Mitten. Please also leave us a comment and a review. We look forward to you joining us next time. Goodbye. Bye.